All right, this is episode six of the Dime Boxing with Delco podcast. Um, I'm Alex with Delco Rips. Um, how's it going, Danny? Oh, man, I- I'm excited this episode because I haven't gotten really to talk to you since your Dallas trip. Uh, and I know there was a luggage fiasco, picked up a Maxi True RPA. So first, I got to hear about the luggage story. What happened? What were you thinking in the moment? Yeah, so. Uh, we're getting, uh, I'm getting on my flight to Dallas on Thursday morning, uh, you know, going to the, the big show and I'm towards the end of the, the plane. Like I'm one of the last people to get on, like I'm group nine. That's just whenever I was designated to get on the, the flight and they made an announcement, all bags must be checked. Like, you know, if you had a backpack, that's cool. But I had, you know, a backpack and a checked bag which is my, all my cards. Um, and yeah, so I had a choice to make, like, do it, this would be the first time I've ever checked flags or checked all my cards. And, you know, what do I do in that moment? Uh, I probably should have in hindsight, like I probably should have done some strategic, like, like open up everything and take some of my best cards, like on the plane. But I just like, in the moment I was just like, all right, whatever, got my bag tagged, set it under. And just like cross my fingers, I flew to Dallas. Felt pretty good about it. Just like took the risk. I uh, got there, and um, the funny thing about it too is I was going to the baggage claim. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. It says baggage claim 15 on the monitor for Philadelphia. I said, like, all right. So I walk. I walk all the way to baggage claim 15. It's probably about a five minute walk. I'm looking, looking. I can't find anything. I talk to somebody. She looks on her monitor. And she goes, oh, no, it's at 26, which is where I just was. So I went, I'd walk all the way back. And by the time I got there to my actual baggage claim, like, turnaround, my bag was just chilling. But all my slabs are just stuck still on there, along with my other bag. So I grabbed them up. And, uh, yeah, uh, I checked everything, and it was all there. So the hobby gods were on my side for that one. Yeah, that's insane. I do not think I would have done that. I honestly don't. I mean, are you talking like, like your collections with you? Like your like, is it yeah, everything? Yeah, if I went to the yeah, my inventory for the, the whole Dallas card show. I mean, it's nothing. It's not like I'm, uh, you know, it's not hundreds of thousands of dollars of cards, but it's every big card I own. Uh, yeah, pretty much the whole value. So it worked out. So I make it to the Dallas show. It was awesome. You know, the Dallas show in general was just like a breath of fresh air. You know, uh, it's been a while since the hobby's been hot. You know, I think it's pretty universally agreed. The hobby's cool and prices are down and everything's kind of doom and gloom. But the Dallas show was rolling. I mean, people were buying, trades were happening, like the 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 deals were flowing and it was a lot of fun. Um and yeah, I'll just give my big pickup I, at the Dallas, like at the trade night, which is where always the good things happen. Uh, I made uh, right before I did the deal for the big card. I made a deal for I sold the cracked ice, or no, sorry, I sold a hardened refractor, a chrome refractor, and a Kobe auto that I had acquired during the show. Sold those for cash, so I had a little extra cash in my hands. I take the maxi cracked ice and I walk over to uh, my boy um, Slab, uh, Slab Mafia on Twitter, I think that's right, uh, Rohan. And I'm like, he, he had the Maxi NT. 
I'm like, man, can we work out a deal? And he, he agrees to take in the maxi cracked ice. And then I basically pay the rest in cash to grab the maxi true NT RPA 99, uh, BGS 910. And yeah, I mean, it just, it just felt like the right time to acquire that card because it's almost, it's, it's a little higher, but it's almost the price it was a year ago. Like it, you know, like, and I feel like it's like, all right, like I'm not going to let this moment slip away again when just in November, this card itself would be so much more expensive. Um, I feel like it's the right time to enter a card like that. And I wouldn't mind holding it, holding it, you know, if I had to also, if it halved or something. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the, the highlight of the show for me. But overall, it was a great show. I've sold a ton. I have not as much inventory as I want. I cannot believe that you you, you were willing to trust them with your with your freaking collection. I, I'll tell you, I would have done if I really need to make it to the show. I would have went on Turo, the car renting app. Oh, Dallas is so far. You know, no, you can't that? drive to Dallas. Like, done it. Done it to Dallas. No, it. no. I mean, that would have been ridiculous. There's no driving. The only thing I could have done is I could have threw a stink. You know, hey, listen, like th this isn't just a normal back. Like it's not just my clothes. Like this is my whole business. You know, all the value. It'd be like putting cash in an envelope in your luggage. Like, would you do? I don't know if you'd do that. So I could have done that, and maybe that's the right move. But I just didn't want to be that guy. And I just felt like, all right, I'm going to risk it. And I just did it. I don't know. I'm going to plan to keep my, my cards with me in the future and not have this happen. But you also can avoid this on American if you just, you know, make sure you have a seat like up in the airplane where you're like seat 13 and that way you get on the, the plane quicker. Yeah, that's that's insane. But you mentioned how, you know, people think the market's cooled. I feel like, and, and I saw in a lot of stuff on social media, you, like you said, Dallas Card Show is hot. Honestly, recent card prices, not like they were. You know, LeBron Chrome, uh, LeBron Tops Chrome 10, which was trending down, gotten all the way down to like 5,500. One just sold for 7,400. Like that's, that card's up. It seems like a lot of stuff is up. Like even trying to buy stuff on eBay, it's up cheap slabs seem like they're selling better and i'm talking the last couple of weeks and i think there's a lot to do with that right holiday season's over stock market honestly last couple of weeks doing nice doing really nice last couple crypto, weeks. crypto as well up a good bit bitcoin's doing great the last yep. couple of weeks it had a bad day today a little bit down but i mean overall i think it was down to like 16k after they got sam bankman fraud and then it seems to be you know going upwards since then, it's up like, what, four grand since then? And I think that crypto is a big part of it, but it seems like cards are up and it's making you think like, whoa, like we had an opportunity there to get some really good cards. Like, I, I mean, in my mind, like I think of like, I made one, in terms of big cards, I, I took like one take advantage of the dip play. That was, a, I think I posted it on my story a couple of days ago and I post on my page of Brady flawless green out of five PSA 10, like winning that on art. But I feel like going back in time now, it's like, I wish I could go back to November, buy some more stuff. Cause I think now, I think the market now is above where it was in November and the first part of December. I really think cards are trending upwards. 
Like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, and and this this happened last year, so it is cyclical every year in the hobby. Uh, the show season picks up, um, sports kind of settle in, like for the year. Uh, I, I and basketball, for some reason, in the hobby, does not get hot until really like the All Star Game and forward, and like when people can just see who's going to have those moments whose team is like really good and for real. So um, I think there's more to come. There's more plays to be made. I would caution. I saw this a lot, like, and I'm sure they're just going to flip them really quickly and more and quicker than I can even like imagine I doing myself. But I saw people picking up like Josh Allen and Mahomes, like, you know, $10,000 cards. And you're like, wait, one of them is going to lose, and then you're aren't you going to lose on that potential quick term flip? Or are you just like banking on both? Like, I just it's kind of weird. Like, f- football, I, I'm generally like I don't want to be risk adverse at all on the hobby, but I, I can be maybe it's like I think it's a tough game to pick and it's a tough one to go in on right now. Uh, the only one I would feel comfortable, I think we talked about this already, was Mahomes. I didn't see an entry point that I wanted, although with how much I spent on the maxi, I guess I could have gotten a decent homes. But, uh, um, you know, the, the maxi, the homer in me, like, made me lose sight of that Mahomes goal pretty quick. And I didn't have to bet on the next two weeks, like, going perfectly, like, you know, for the card not to drop an easy 20%, which you can expect from these playoff QB prices. Yeah, I, I think that's the QBs, I think, led to a lot of that real dip. Like what I mean by that is the hype, like at the national, all about the QBs, right? Leading up to the season, all in August, QBs, people making money, flipping Trey Lance a week later, Trevor Lawrence a week later, you know, a bunch of guys, Fields, Kyler, Rogers, everybody. And then once the season started, like once guys like Zach Wilson really tanked, Trey Lance really tanked. Think about how much money is in the two of those. Those guys has had a million cards. I feel like that's where we got that like October, November, December insane dip. Like I feel like that was a big loss. And I think people losing money makes the whole market dip. People making money makes the whole market go up. And would I you think, say that would you say that football cards are like negatively impacting the US overall economy? Like I would just say like more value has been lost in football quarterback cards than any other sector. Am I I, I want to know the detail there, but it feels like there's more like people just getting bamboozled by buying Brock Purdy, you know, 101 uh, you know, mosaic or whatever and you know, it's going to, the bottom's going to fall out of this when he's ultimately not the next superstar in the NFL. I mean, look what happened. We saw your Trey Lance. It sold for like 700 bucks before the season. You bought it for 30 bucks, you know? So that's like, look at the loss there. Somebody lost. I mean, the percentage loss might be greater than any of those crypto BS things that people are losing money. But I think people being able to make money grading cards helps the market like PSA with that quick turnaround. I used to think like quick turnaround, whoa, that's dumping a bunch of slabs onto the market. But I feel like when people can buy a car or rip something, you know, get a card raw, grade it, make some money on it. Then they're like, whoa, I like this card thing. 
and then they get more into it. Like, I feel like grading that appeal brings people in. It just makes you think if everyone starts being the ones who buys it and sends it into grading, how, how much longer is there going to be a good margin for the people who are doing that? Right. If there's, and, but I mean, then that's just bringing in more buyers. Cause I, I send cards in, but if someone got a PSA 10 back that I want, I, I can buy it from them. So I, I don't think, think that'll ever be that. Like, here's just the point on that. I don't think it'll ever be that crazy because it's like, it's not for the lazy, like grading is not for, I mean, yes, there are however, like I would say, uh, you know, the the bulk graders, the bulk submitters being at LCS, like might, you know, that is the lazy way to do it. And, you know, it's pretty easy, but in general, being willing to like sit on your value for a long time and take the process of grading, whether it's through yourself or like an LCS or a bulk submitter, it's, it's I, I just don't think that's going to be like ever that crazy because and there's always going to be some money in it for and i like that i think that's one of my favorite things to do in the hobby is just grade like it feels the best when you buy some stuff raw for a good price especially in bulk um sometimes the stuff's even free to you right in your head like it's you know in such a deal and then you grade it all some things get tens even if they're worth to me like 150 bucks I love it. Like that may, that geeks me out. Like I, it's like free money. So yeah, I agree with you that it needs to stay in the hobby, but I don't think it'll ever be that inflate overinflated just because it does take some effort and cost and willingness to invest your asset, if you will. Yeah. And that's a good point because like I've, I have a couple guys I've been talking to the last couple of days, um, guys I know for a while who are starting to get into cards and like one of the things uh, I've mentioned to them is like, you know, grading stuff. And that's like one thing where they're like, Oh, like when I explain the process, it's like, Whoa, like that doesn't sound too great. It's like, so I got to buy this. I got to buy the right stuff. I got to look it over. I got to know what I'm looking for when I'm looking it over. I got to see that it's clean. And why would someone else send, sell me a clean raw card if they could have just graded it themselves? And it's like, Whoa, that's not any. So that's a good point you had there. I don't know. I just, I get a little worried with the quick turnaround times. It's like people just keep like, all right, here's a good one. Have you seen on Instagram uh, the dude he sells advice, uh, Eric MLP, I think. And all respect to him, he just made a video about getting girls with his card strategies. Did you see that? No, I don't know what you're talking about. No. All right, I'll make this quick because um, I bet a lot of people listening might have seen this. Like, I and I have no no hate at all. Honestly, a lot of people comment hate stuff. It's his game. I think it's great. He's doing this. He like. He sells people a program about how to make money in cards, promises all these returns. Look, I don't know if people are actually signing up for it. I don't know if anyone's making money. But after looking at a few of his posts, it seems like what he's just doing is teaching people how to send stuff to PSA. Like, that's <laughs> like, like, I'm not kidding. Like, that's the way. But he's right in a way that you can make money doing that. And then he just released a video about how he uses that to get two to three dates a week and he added the women are attractive okay so this guy is he'll, say he'll, he'll teach yeah he'll teach you how to grade your cards and he's bringing some dimes home <laughs> I, I just i saw that and i was like this is unbelievable yeah, and you know what people are hating all power to him if he somehow ends up stumbling upon this i would love to have him on the podcast because it seems like what he's doing 
it's just you know what no, who else is doing it in the hobby no one it's like the sea bless video of him dancing people are like cringe whatever whatever and you see a couple comments where people are like i'll dance with you it's like how could people attack Siebler? He's the one who came up with it. He start. No one else is doing it. Sure, people are going to start doing it soon. He came up like he's the one doing it. To me, I, I don't know. That's just like a big risk. I don't know if you saw that video. That was a great one. Siebler's dancing, incredible. No, yeah, and the you know just charging something for hobby advice. Hey, I mean, if you can put out uh, information product and someone buys it, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to hate on your on your hustle there. No, I would not recommend buying uh, information products when the information is quite literally free. Um, and I, also, I guess my thing with sports cards and the curve, I think it's a good one. Like, all right, if you if you want to get into it, you're going to have to like learn yourself, make mistakes, and it's almost like those mistakes. You'll you'll spend a little bit, make a mistake spend a little bit, make a mistake. It's almost like that's a good thing because if you went in just got crazy and you lost a lot of money, you would learn the lesson, uh, uh, your lessons. And, you know, most people will ease into it anyway. So I just think like, it's good to go in and make your own mistakes, do your thing, research, send a card yourself, spread those wings, like figure out how to make money in sports cards yourself. If you don't go on that journey, I mean, you'll just be like, at the end of the day, then you're just buying like his stock tips on what player to buy. Like, you know, like you have to be able to make a decision for yourself. I don't know. So uh, sports cards aren't like, I think that's one good reason for it. If you are trying to make a little extra cash is that there will always be a reward in the hobby for putting in the work, like lit out listing people like or you know being willing to to grind out smaller value stuff um and try to find like a diamond and rough play and you know like i think with uh with grading though you know you see these people if, if that's even true if people are paying this dude for to grade their, to figure out how to grade their cards people are always looking for like shortcuts you know like if you know about your cards knowledge will end up being key yeah, he'll teach you open your computer, press on, go to PSA.com, enter, he'll show you, log in, put your username in the username box, save your password for the password box, hit log in. I mean, he probably covers all of it, so. Wait, wait, Dimes, do you have some Pokemon cards that you're trying to grade with SGC through their new special? No, well, here's the thing. I need to actually put in the time and learn about it. Like, but, and, and he, here's something that caught me about the special. 12 bucks if you're going through a group submitter. So I saw a bunch of hobby shops comment 12 bucks through us. Like it seems like if you use a hobby shop or someone who's like an SGC submitter, 12 bucks. Send in on your own, it's 15. So I guess maybe they're trying to only have Pokemon come from main sources. Maybe they trust the data that people are entering. It may, might save them time. Maybe people make more mistakes when they're entering Pokemon stuff. I don't know, but that's just interesting. A $3 mm. difference. If I want to sit here and send it in myself, right? Let's say I pay $9.99. I watch the course. He tells me how to turn on my computer. I enter my Pokemon cards. I send them in the mail, right? Why? It's just, I don't know. Why do you think that? I, I just don't see why there's a $3 difference there. Well, there's they do this anyway with PSA. Other companies do it. They just don't publicize the same, the same information. Um, 
I think the bulk submitters get different values and, and, and conditions. We just don't know about it. So I think it's just transparency on SGC's part, but this is just like an off the wall thing. I sit, I kind of think a Pokemon's in an SGC slab is a little unsettling. I don't know why, like SGC is this like serious grading company for vintage baseball cards. And then they're like, you know, you just got this like uh, Pikachu. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like an odd thing for TCG with their current design and label. Um, whereas like PSA even is like more, I don't know, fun brand, like kind of with the red, like plastic slab. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good move on their part though. I've always, I think that they need to be cheaper. Like SGC for the time being, like in the market, like I think that they could experience some extreme growth if they did this type of special for sports. Like if you're not gonna, can, to me, at the end of the day, I'm gonna submit cards where the premium is. What, what the resale value is, is where I wanna submit cards to. SGC is really quick, but now PSA is kind of catching up. And with those two mediums kind of being the same thing, I feel like the price that I'm grading the card for should be directly proportional to the price I get for each grade, right? So like, give me a $12 SGC sub, I'll send a whole bunch of stuff. Like I, that would change my strategy. And if you're gonna be almost half the price of PSA, I think you'll get a lot, like I would send a lot more to SGC. So I, they should, I, I hope they start to compete on price and compete for our dollars and our grade, you know, cards to grade um, because we don't, if they don't, then we'll just all end up paying more in the end. And it's just kind of like free money for those companies. Yeah, that's a topic we've been talking about, right? As the hobby slows down, consumers get more power. That's why PSA used to take freaking year. Now it's like a month for the what's supposed to be the bulk service or whatever. So I think, yeah, I think consumers are getting stronger and stronger with grading. Also, SGC Pete, have you ever seen that dude's videos? I think yeah. that's awesome. He comes direct to the hobby, literally sits in front of a camera, tells you exactly what he's doing and why he's doing it. Like, I, I'm not a huge SGC guy. Like, I, I send, you know, I think I probably send 90% of the cards that I grade to PSA. But, like, I think that's awesome. Dude sits down in front of the camera. I feel like SGC is the, the company that I would trust the most. Like, I feel like in terms of trust and, like, only grading authentic cards, like, all that stuff, like, noticing mistakes, this and that. Like, I feel like SGC is the most legit. Like, I just feel like the price decrease helps i think if they made every card 12 bucks and even made the turnaround a little bit longer like i might have mentioned this before but like they maybe should offer some different services like maybe offer a bulk one for 13 and then 20 bucks for the two weeks and maybe the 13 dollar takes a month or two but like to me might be worth if, if it's you know this isn't pokemon this is sports cards but you could send like some football cards in at the beginning of the off season like right now have them back in SGC slabs for the draft for 13 bucks, that would be worth it. I just don't see why they don't open more levels. But I think that dude, SGC Pete, doing the videos, awesome. No, yeah, and I, I love SGC. Uh, SGC Pete's cool, and it's cool that he's a young guy too, like not some dinosaur in the hobby. So I think that's awesome. I love grading with SGC. The service is great. Customer service, if you ever have an issue, has been great to me. 
the grades are very predictable. Like I feel like PSA sometimes I there's cards I I'm sure aren't gonna attend and they can. Uh, SGC I feel like rarely surprises me. It's very like very just straight down the line and what you expect. Um, that I mean I you know I'm not some I haven't graded a million cards or anything, but I'm graded enough over the time now to like have some opinion there. Uh, but yeah, I like SGC a ton. I just I want the hobby to come with me in terms of resale value if I get a 10. Because, like, you know, there are certain cards, it's just, like, it's so crushing uh, the difference um, between the 10s. Like, sometimes can be, like, 50% more for a PSA 10 um, than the SGC counterpart. Uh, you know, and I don't want to – and it's not like the price is low enough where you can use them as, like, a raw review service. Then you're just paying twice for grading. It kind of stinks. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I really like SGC. I, I hope that uh, I, th I like your ideas a lot about uh, a bulk SGC option and kind of opening it up like that way in a difference. I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, playoff football, big weekend. Giants, probably the most surprising. Well, Jaguars also had a great comeback. That was interesting weekend. Birds got the Giants now coming up. I was crushed to see Brady lose. I think he retires. In all honesty, I, don't I saw you put that. Like uh, you put that on your story, right? And I'm like searching Twitter and ESPN because of your story, like looking for the actual confirmation that he retires. But instead, you just make this vague story, like basically saying he retired. And you got me to look for like a solid five minutes, look for a story. It wasn't there. And you know what? When he announces his retirement, I'm going to repost that story. <laughs> I was right because yeah. I, think, I think he's done. I mean, people are saying he's going to go play for the Dolphins if Tua's concussions are bad. You hear 49ers who already have three quarterbacks that they need to figure out. I don't think they're going to want a 46-year-old thrown into the mix who would need to be the starter. Right, he's not going to come back to sit on the bench. There's just no way. If he does that, then could you imagine he's just like 55? He's sitting on the bench for the Jets as like the backup. No shot, no shot. He, he, he makes he makes at this point he makes just as much money on the field as he could off the field, pretty yeah. much. So but he, he loves football. He, he does love. Football. He is Tommy football. But I have to tell you one thing. So at the Dallas show. Uh, we're watching it. I'm there, you know, on Saturday night. That's the big trade night. So we're watching the first half or first couple, a quarter or so at a restaurant. We get to the trade night. We have like a spot and the, 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 the game's on. It's probably about the second quarter. And I'm set up with my cards. And I, I had traded for a Justin Herbert, just like a cheap one, like a, a Blue Hyper PSA 9. And the comps were like, one sold for 140, but they were going for 120 consistently. And a uh, kid comes up during the game, and it's like when the Jags are down 27 – or the, the – the, yeah, the Jags are down 27-7. And he's, like, looking at the Herbie. He's, yeah, he thinks he's getting the winning creek QB. And uh, I was like, well, oh, it's 120, uh, you know, and he just oh, – really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, 120. And he goes, Okay. He gives him the money so eagerly, like he had just gotten the steal of his life paying full comps for this Herbie. It's nothing crazy, right? Like he pays full comps, but whatever. And he's not he's not that young, too. It's not like he's like five. Like the, the kid was old enough to be playing the game. 
just just the just the FYI. But anyway, I yeah, like I roasted this kid. <laughs> I pride myself on treating kids how I'd like to be treated, which is like an adult in the in the trade, right? If you're over, if you if you got beard, you know, if you're if you're 13, 14, like you're it's full fair game. Anyway. So they end up going to lose. I think it's just kind of funny to me, like that the guy bought it at full comps. Probably wouldn't have had they lost. Um, I have never. I had a Trevor, a really nice Trevor car, but no one will give me my number. I must be too high on it. Uh, but you know that was wild. That was wild to see, like the emotion in the room. People were like joking I, uh, with about my Trevor, like, oh, what's that? A hundred dollars now uh, <laughs> during the trade night, you know, like it. And then the emotion, he just rips it away and then now everyone's looking for trevor lawrence cards no one wants herbies in an immediate like in market you know price shift that you could see at a trade night uh it's pretty fascinating like that's what i i i really encourage you out like if, you know if you haven't been to the dallas car show everyone like it's important to go it's just the one of the coolest especially this one with the the playoffs going on uh, during trade night, I mean, it's just cool. Uh, there, it's not replicated at other trade nights. Um, the same type of vibe. I see. I've never been to Dallas. What do you think, like compared to the national? Because in all honesty, I went to you know I went to the national, had fun staying in a house with some of my friends. But like, I feel like the card element of it, the show itself, wasn't. I wasn't super blown. Like, yeah, there were a lot of great cards in the room. But at the time, to be fair, the National is a tough time because prices had just dipped and people were high on everything. But how would you compare Dallas to the National? Here's the problem with the National. This is going to be weird. But the dealers are too good, right? Like, this is my issue with dealers. There's too many, like, high-end collectors that are, especially vintage, that are dealers on the at the national, right? They just got their, I got 150 1954 Hank Aaron's in every grade and they have a whole showcase. But I feel like that's like every dealer there, right? Is like that kind of dealer, like millions or like hundreds of hundreds of thousands of inventory. And they are not budging. They're not trying to move anything, right? Everything is this like top dollar quality piece. And I, 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 there are exceptions to that, but I feel like that's my general consensus. I think that's why you felt that way, is that a lot of the dealers were like that. The Dallas show has a little bit of both, right? Like, I think it just reels that back into reality a little bit. And it's, you know, a good amount of a regional show in the, the Dallas and Texas area. But then there's also probably half the dealers that are flying in and... I, I think it's just it cre- it's like these people that are more current and they have a wider variety of inventory um, and are just more willing to work than the national dealer because those national dealers aren't old, like there are a lot of like people that have been doing this for 35 years and they might only do like the Philly show, the national and like one or two other shows and that's it. Like they're not I think that I think they could make a change to that, like with more active and people that are willing to move their inventory. One thing to look out for at the national is if somebody is behind one showcase, that's maybe somebody you want to do a deal with, um, because 
you know, they're like there to sell for their one showcase, not like show off their museum. That's a good point. Yeah. A lot of times it shows it's just a museum. Like you'll see a dude hold the same card in the same grade spread to show you like he's got 30 of them. It's like, all right, if someone was interested, maybe you could mention like, hey, I got another 29 of these in my briefcase. Not like, all right, I'm going to make this whole entire showcase Lucas Silver rookie PSA 10s because I have 35 of them. And I paid $9.99 a month. And that's how I learned how to grade these. I sent all these in my <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It normally costs $9.99 to figure out how to log all these into PSA, even though they're the same card. So I feel like that I, that is a good point, though. You see a lot of museum type of showcases. But we're talking about shows. Last topic. I know before the show, you were you were being a little humble about it. You weren't too, too hyped to bring it up here, but... No, no, I want to bring it up. I want to bring it up. No, I just, I don't know. Like, you know, it, we just, it's, it's kind of talked about enough, but January 22nd, this Sunday, we got the brother love card show, Matt Lauren, New Jersey. Uh, I want everybody, if you've made it to the, this far on the pod, please attend, give your support. Um, say what's up, say hi in person. Um, we actually, I met a listener, Kyle at the Dallas card show um he is a former college basketball coach and he was really cool we talked uh did a deal for some pc stuff um uh for my p for my wpc and uh it was awesome to to meet a, to meet a listener out there so if you see me at the brother love card show uh this sunday i would love if you would you know say that you listened and you heard this um you know and maybe i'll give you a deal on one of my cards um but uh yeah, it's been fun as always uh, recording. Do you have any uh, closing remarks, Danny? I got to tell you, I never usually do this before a show. Usually it's the night before. I've been prepping the dollar box. Might have to bring out an old-fashioned dime box, 10 cents a card. We'll see. That would take a lot of time. And then you get to the point, do I throw them in top loaders? I was say, are they sleeved? If they're sleeved, you're losing money off of that. That's what I can't. I don't know if I can totally vault a whole box of 10 cent cards. That would be because that's just, I mean, not that I care about the condition of 10 cent cards, but you just so many people touch it. I've seen if Joe Biden wasn't our president, we'd have 10 cent cards right now. <laughs> don't even, I'm we don't have enough time for this. We have to sign off. <laughs> okay, my blood pressure just went up. Let's sign off with the pod. Everyone, it's been great. If I see you at the Brother Love Card Show, tell me you listen. I'll hook you up with something. I'll give you some free 10 cent cards. Might leave them in the sleeves. All right. Got to pay for my $9.99 How to Grade Cards subscription. So might be more willing to sell some cards than others. But thank you, guys. It's been an awesome episode seven. Bang. Thanks, I think